Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. A good morning, Tam. Tam. Oh, Uh, what a day. What a day. Every time we start this podcast, we're like, ugh. Like that is life. Every time I see you, I'm like, wait till you hear what I have to tell you today. (laughs) And that's what friends are for. And you know what? Mercury is in high retrograde right now. So I feel like everything is just in this weird cycle. Like, for example, yesterday, my husband and I, oh boy, did we, what? you went down. There are- <laughs> because- <laughs> he went down. Cause I was like, you are going to get it. What happened was, is that we have this ongoing, you know, I'm so like OCD about things. Like I thought you were going to say you're so chill. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I was like, which Roxy are we talking about? Cause it ain't you. <laughs> I mean, I am like, crazy anal about closing our back gate because of the dogs. Right. So I'm like, right. I don't want them to get out. He, oh, well, not, I'm not going to say always, but he forgot again yesterday. And this is like the fifth time. And our little dog ran across the street. Thank oh, God no. the neighbor was over there, but he ran through traffic on both ways. Yeah. And so she called me and said, oh my God, your dog, you know, just ran through. I had no idea that the gate was open. He yeah. had left it open when he had come back in. So I came, got the dog. She's walking me back and David was like, oh, what happened? What happened? And, and you're like, you happened. <laughs> yeah, you happened. I'm like, you're about to get some choice words and about two minutes after our neighbor <laughs> goes back up. What words like, did you use, Roxy? Oh, there were some choice F-bombs in there and some other <laughs> little ditties. <laughs> but if he did that to you, oh. you would like divorce him. This is why I think there's double standards because I, sometimes I say things to my husband. I'm like, this is not, this is not nice. Like I shouldn't yeah. be saying this. And I get really down to the core. And then when he says to me, like, you're being a witch, I go and write it down on my, my iPad. I'm like, you are being a witch on Thursday, 22nd of August. Like, I want to tell him all the horrible things. But then he says things like you're being a witch or you're, you're being nasty or like, I don't want to be around because of you, which is probably true. But I'm not I'm not nice about it. But that's why we're married to them because they tend to be a little more calm. I feel like they're a little yeah. more. Balanced. They're gonna leave our asses at some point. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> and then where are we gonna be? Well, at least we'll have each other. We will, and we'll have this <laughs> podcast. So yeah, exactly, we should talk to our next guest about how yeah. she deals with drama <laughs> because she's been an actress for a very, very, very long time. So she's had drama on screen, which sometimes means that you don't have a lot of drama off screen. I, when I act, when I'm on TV and film, when I'm like doing a show, I don't bring it home. Like I'm super nice. Like when I'm, when I'm acting, cause I'm like, Oh, all the screaming and all the things are out in the world. And so I could just be a nice person, but COVID like things, people weren't working as much. And you know, as you have kids and things change and then all of a sudden the drama is brought home. So who do we have today, Roxy? Well, we are so excited to welcome our next guest. She is like an internet sensation because 
She's an actress. She's mm-hmm. a mom. She's mm-hmm. a wife, a mom of two little kids. She's a, a wife, a podcaster. She's an entrepreneur. She has this really cool app that we need to like talk about as well today because she's got so many great things going on. And so without further ado, can we please welcome Miss Daniela Bonet? Hi everyone. This is awesome. Thanks for having me so much for being here. Happy to be here. So how do you deal with, um, how do you deal with your relationships? (laughs) How do you deal with conflict? I saw this TikTok the other day that said, you know, you're not supposed to blame shame, guilt. I'm like, wait a second. I think I do all three at the same time. So how do you deal with having a successful relationship? Oh gosh. Well, let's unpack that. Um, (laughs) something I've learned about myself is that I am avoidant. So I do not enjoy confrontation, nor do I enjoy conflict, but, um, recently I have been doing a bit more work on that and realizing that like, I have to, I have to be able to like get through it. And usually, yeah, that isn't easy. And it's not always like the nicest, warm and cozy feeling that I've ever felt. But, um, at the end of it, there is, you know, usually an embrace that's worth it. Right. (laughs) Uh, sometimes an embrace (laughs) they walk out the the door (laughs) I'm usually the one that actually wants to like exit yeah because I'm avoidant so I'm like no like let's take a minute yeah I shut down absolutely I totally shut down wow see I wish I could be more like that because I feel like with my husband is the person I'm the most um you know combative with like if there's something Mm -hmm. that comes up like maybe it's because I feel comfortable with him that I feel like I can kind of go there which is not always the best thing to do obviously like I should Mm -hmm. probably reel it in more but I feel like there are certain people and I think it's like also like length of time like when you're with somebody for so long it's like sometimes I just can't help it like I'm like I go from zero to 60 really fast you know it's because we, they say that the most like murders or something. <laughs> have, it's true. We had a death investigator on here. He's like so great. He's like the leading death investigator. And he said that most murders are murders of passion, right? And people that we know and we're very passionate about. And a lot of them are marriages because there's such a fine line between love and hate. And it's funny how like I adore my husband. I've been with him for 15 years, but there are times that I physically like hate him. And it's so weird because I obviously don't hate him, but I think it's because we feel like the person that we love, how can they hurt us? Mm-hmm. And that is like, then we get when we feel hurt, then like our ego, like attacks back. I think that that's, I think that that's why, right? (laughs) Yeah. The ego thing is real. And one of the reasons why I feel like, and it plays into my avoidancy a lot, because oftentimes what I feel when I'm disconnecting is this like sense of, I just, I don't need it. Like, I don't need it. I'm independent. I don't need it this is too much. Like what's it, it's not worth it at this point, but that's all just this like hoax that I tell myself because I don't want to deal. And when I don't want to deal, I tell myself I'm totally fine dealing with this on my own. Mm -hmm. But to your point, um, Roxy, my, we've been together almost 12 years now, but we're technically not even married. We've been engaged for several years, but I'll call my husband for lack of a better word. Easier. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's so much easier. So he's actually a bit more of the one who brings sort of that like combativeness mm-hmm. um, energy, which I think is how in a weird way, a twisted way relationships work because yes. I've learned so much about how that isn't necessarily this like negative attribute. It's actually quite helpful because if we were both avoidant, we would get absolutely nowhere. We'd be living this facade. It's just not, it's not productive. Mm. You know, in a weird way too, I think I was talking to like one of my therapists about that. I'm like one of, one of your therapists. therapists. I love that. <laughs> Uh, you heard it. We titled that up this episode. Yeah, like, it's like, Roxy, how many do you have? Oh, you know, there's a few on standby. No. <laughs> but I think they were saying too, it's almost like a sign of intimacy when you get so intensely, like, you mm-hmm. know, and it, I mean, yes, obviously that can be negative too, but like, 
it's like an intensity of, it says something about like the intimacy too, of your relationship, mm-hmm. which I never kind of thought about. Cause I always thought it was something super negative, like all the time, but in a weird way, sometimes fighting oh, yeah. closer. Right. When he shuts down though, mm-hmm. it took me a long time to figure this out. Mm-hmm. I feel scared. Mm-hmm. And I guess this, that, fe- that feeling is because by not saying anything, I don't really know how he's feeling. So I feel like it could be anything from I need to take a breath or I want to leave the relationship. Like I have no idea. There's no communication. So he said to me, he's like, well, it's very acceptable in society to shut down and walk away, but it's not acceptable to yell. And I was like, to you, like to you, shutting down is okay but I feel just as scared of you shutting down because maybe that's some trauma that I've I've had to deal with as a child actor I don't know and then he's afraid of conflict because he saw that growing up so that's his fear so we're both like he's like well yours is not socially acceptable I'm like yeah I guess if I'm like on on the street just screaming at the random like mailman like go f off like I'm sure that's like not acceptable it's better to walk away but in a relationship I feel like it's just it's just as scary and it's both unacceptable you know I think it's acceptable to take a break I think it's acceptable to take a breather I think it's acceptable to walk away and say I need to calm down those are all acceptable things but I said to him it's not acceptable for two days or three mm-hmm. days or more than a couple hours to shut me out mm-hmm. because that's a really scary place for me to be and I know I need to work on myself but it's just a very insecure place as well oh now I feel bad because I feel like I've done this <laughs> I'm like, like, because in a lot of ways, and Tim and I talk about this on this podcast, a lot of ways, I feel like you and David are very similar. And like, maybe Sean and I are very similar in that. I also do the shutout thing with him, like where I will not talk to him. I mean, I've gone like days not talking to him. That is not nice. I know, I know, but I'm like, I need to drive my point home, you know, like, (laughs) but, but you're right. It is not nice. But like, for some reason, I feel like maybe it's like, also a defense mechanism for me because I'm so hurt Mm -hmm. that I'm like not talking like still not Mm -hmm. talking you know is that like you guys kind of I mean do you do that Daniela oh absolutely no this is like I think we all are mirroring one another in so many ways like I'm hearing such similarities to my own dynamic with my partner but he too feels safe I mean sorry he he too feels scared and when we talk about like being fearful and safe and this and that, like I've had to express to him the ways that make me feel safe is typically like being embraced. Like, and this probably goes back to child trauma as well, Mm -hmm. where I need to feel like hugged or loved or whatever. I don't share those kind of intimacy or moments with like anyone else in my life. Right. Like I don't have anyone that I'm like touchy feely with. So for him to do that to me, like drops all my guards, I feel safe. I can open up. I'm here. I'm communicative. Even if in the thick of a fight, like in the thick of an argument, like you have now got my focus. I'm not shutting down. This is me. But for him, when he feels me shut down, it literally triggers the opposite in him where he's like, I need you. Like he can't get to that point because he's so upset that like, he's going to make his point that like, you're now shutting down. I'm scared as fuck. Like I can't do what you need in order to make everything. So it's just like, we've constantly done this for so long. It's like a scam. Yeah. It's like, I need you to help me get to this point, but like you're down here. And in order for me to get there, like I need you to do this. So that love language thing has been an, like for almost 12 years now, been that same sort of thing. But we have made a shift recently. And I'm going to tell you why this is so weird. We were on a trip recently with like another family friend, um, couple of ours who have kids around the same age as ours. And we were staying up one night and we were talking about these same dynamics. And a lot of the things that we're talking about now, like you just don't really get to it in conversation often, right? Like, it's not like socially acceptable to be like, I want to tear him apart. And like, mm-hmm. sometimes, I hate him. sometimes I'm like, did you know murder rates are up in relationships? Like none of that stuff comes up. But here we are having this conversation and it was an absolute game changer. I related to one person in their relationship. He related to another. And then all of a sudden this shift happened. We were like, we're not alone. This isn't that uncommon. Like, let's let our guard down. Let's get to a better place. Like we see the light and- yeah, I don't know. It's wild. And a lot of relationships actually 
do this. It's called, I think it's called the, the run and it's a run and chase. That's what one of my many therapist Roxy's has said to me. <laughs> I don't have a therapist right now. I need a new one because I'm always like, I know more than you. So I always leave therapy. I'm like, yeah, I know catastrophizing. Yeah, I know black and white thinking. Like I know. Like I just this podcast is your therapy. This I know I can't therapy. fix myself. But <laughs> one of one of them said it's that run and chase mentality. And it's it's like having the my biggest thing in my mental health journey is just having awareness. I think that's the first step to any growth in your relationship with yourself or with your husband or with your friends or with your family is having an awareness of why you do the things that you do. And the other day was the first time in like a year where I was like, oh my goodness, we fell back in that pattern where I hang up and then he calls and calls and calls and calls and calls and just incessant. It's like this incessant thing, right? And then he stops calling. And then after an hour, I'm like, wait, why is he not? It's like this game. And we're in our, he's in his 40s. I'm in my 30s. Like, grow up already. Mm. And then he stops. And then after an hour, I start calling and he doesn't pick up. It's this run and chase and run and chase. Mm. And it's the game that you play that doesn't really get anywhere. It's just in the circle. So, The biggest thing that I've noticed is by having awareness, I have to, in an argument, put my ego aside, which is really difficult as a Leo to do. And as someone who, again, has been a child actor my whole life, it's been like, what do you need? Can I give you a tea? Like, where do you want to stay? Like everything's so coddling. So so my, when my brain was so impressionable, it was about like, how can people like just kept helping me all the time. So I expect that. And it's just trying to figure out how you guys, like how, how you can better yourself Mm. to end up bettering the relationship. And, and when we were in couples therapy, he said to the couples therapist, this was a, a while ago, he said, I don't think we can continue this couples therapy until I go to my own therapist, because we're both not able to meet and talk about our trauma and how we can do better because what we do is we just say, you notice in a bad therapy session with your spouse when all you're doing is saying, well, he needs to do this for me and he needs to change his tone for me and he needs to make me feel better instead of going, you know what? I need to deal with my own trauma, make myself feel better and then communicate that to him of like, I feel and like rather than you are. Yes, but that is so it's unrealistic when you're in the heat of the moment, a fight being like, okay, we're going to isn't unrealistic. No awareness isn't, but I'm saying like, if you're in the heat of the moment, like a fight, like I know they say like, okay, I feel like you are, you know, or I'm perceiving. You got to stop yourself. Like, for example, if you're in a heat of a fight, right. We've noticed lately is I'm like, oh, I'm about to say something that I don't mean. That's Mm -hmm. really nasty. And I feel it. I can feel it in my body. It starts to like tingle and get that fire feeling. Mm-hmm. And there's a split second that happens is like, do I say this thing that I know is going to probably hurt him and cause damage? Or do I shift and walk away for a second? And it's that awareness and that mm-hmm. moment that I think changes fights. It's hard to get there though. Sometimes, you know, it's hard in the middle of it, in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know. you know, what perspective has shifted also for me and do you guys have kids mm-hmm. too? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, I forget when it was, but we have, um, like a parent coach that I've like known since pregnancy and so on and so forth. She like headed up a mom's group and a dad's group and so on and so forth. We've learned a lot from her. Um, and she's always brought up modeling and like how important that is for kids. And with our own kids, like we try to take this gentle parenting approach, which is like the <laughs> biggest so exercise, the biggest exercise for what yes. we're talking about, right? Because like ultimately, and I was just talking about this last night because I was about to lose it like you've never seen. And I kind of got to that point where I was like in my head, like if I freak the freak out, like this is going south real quick. Like I know what's gonna happen. My son's gonna freak out. He's probably gonna get scared and he's gonna react even more than he is now. Like I'm not gonna be able to like show him that I'm a safe place. Like we're gonna get through this, like all the things, right? And it's the same in a relationship. Like in reality, like the way that I just need a hug is like that same sort of like, I don't want you to be combative because I'm now scared. And I just want to like bottle up my feelings and bring all my guards up and tell myself that I don't need any of this. Mm-hmm. It's like the same with kids. And it wasn't until I started to see that in my kids and like the way that I handled certain situations with my kids that it, it kind of all, all applied 
everywhere, like with yeah. my relationship and it's hard. It's not easy, Mm-mm. but yeah. Cause it's your own triggers too. Like I, I have a really difficult time with my eldest. My eldest is eight and my youngest is almost four. My youngest is just, I don't know if it's the second child. Cause they say the second child's supposed to be hard. I don't know. She's just, she's just very easygoing. Like eats anything, takes herself to bed, puts herself in the bath, would do her own hair if she could. And because I'm so exhausted and so stressed. And so like I've hit my, my limbic system is really high. I feel like that's the child that I'm needing right now is just the easygoing child, right? Because <laughs> I don't have much left. And then my eldest questions everything. She pushes me to the brink of no return. Everything, everything is difficult, everything. And yet she's so brilliant and beautiful in so many ways. And she's like this, this bright light. And I'm like, I think I'm God, the universe, whatever you believe in, she was put into my life because I have to deal with all my demons because <laughs> it would be really easy to not deal with my demons if I just had two easy children. Do you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't have to look in the mirror and go, oh, you need to change your shit about yourself. Like I find it really hard for me to hold myself back and not get aggressive, not yell. Sometimes I'll just be like, hey, can you sit over here? And she just won't sit there. And then I just want to grab her and sit her in the seat mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. because I'm not asking that much. But you're right. Like if, if, if I'm not the safe place, how is she? My biggest fear is she's going to get older. And because I wasn't that safe place, she'll try to find it other places. And like, that's why I need to work on it. Like minute by minute. It's so hard. Right. Cause like, that's always like in the back of the mind, it's like, are the things that we're doing, you know, as parents, like, is this eventually going to like mm-hmm. somehow down the road, you know, affect them and like, either negatively or positively. I know for me, I always kind of like keep that thought in the back of my head because it freaks me out. Like when I lose my cool and that happens too, like with me, you know, I'm like, Oh fuck, you know, like, is this going to like screw her up like down the road? Or like if my husband and I are fighting, you know, and it's like, sometimes it happens in front of your kids. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. you just can't control it. Like last night when I was, you know, at the beginning of the show here, when I was saying about the dog getting out. I could not help myself. Like I was like, what the hell were you doing? Like leaving the gate open. And she heard that, you know, and it's like, of course, I'm going to go back and like, talk to her about it. And, you know, we're going to apologize together in front of her because we've already talked about it, but it's still like one of those things where I'm like, Oh God, did I, is this the one that like, is this the time that she will remember down the road? And is the one that, you know, sends her in a certain way, which of course I hope not, but you know, those thoughts going through your head. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked to a therapist who did say that, you know, your kids are resilient, right? Mm-hmm. But you're right. Like resilient to what extent, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. It's very true. Such a responsibility. Yes. Danielle, do you guys ever find yourselves like fighting in front of your kids or is it like, Yeah. I mean, we've had one situation where it got like, we, we don't raise our voice. We're not like that kind of, I think the approach with like gentle parenting is kind of the same that we are just in our relationship. Like we try really hard not to like raise our voice, but honestly, like a little, a little goes a long way for me because I'm so avoidant. Like you don't really even have to raise your voice. Like you don't even have to raise your voice. And I've already like the, the, the story's almost over. So anyways, we were fighting over something and we were talking in front of my son and he could sense that like, it wasn't lovey-dovey. And he looked at um, us and he said, you guys need a reset because sometimes we'll talk to him about like resetting to help mm-hmm. control his body. Like if he gets too emotional or if he's in the middle of a tantrum, like you just need a reset. We need to take some deep breaths. And he literally said, you guys just need a reset. You need to take some deep breaths. Maybe you need some quiet time. Like he was repeating everything that we said mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. And I like was really grateful that that was kind of what he said and that like it impacted him and it like lasted with him enough to like try to suggest that to us. But I felt awful. Like I felt awful. Like I let him down that like, here we are trying to model like the things that we try to get him to do, like take that time, take a deep breath, like come back to it. And we couldn't in the moment and we laughed about it and it actually helped a lot, but it made us think back to like what I was saying before, where having kids changed our relationship in that way, because we care so much about modeling now that like, we don't have the capacity to 
to fight like we we would without mm-hmm. kids. We don't even have that anymore because we're just like, that's taken away. It's not about us. Like, this is so much bigger than us. Like, I don't know, this, that's like where we're at now, but they're little, like we only have a, he's going to be three next week and we have a one and a half year old. So they're little and this yeah. is like, we still have so much to go. Like, I haven't gone through the, the hurdles that like you guys may have gone through or mm-hmm. Tam and you have. So it's like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to, to get used to that now because I just know what we're in for. Like, I know it's not easy having kids. Like it already isn't. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm watching this is for, I was watching this is 40 and being in my thirties now, I'm like, it starts to speak to me even more. <laughs> I was like, when I first watched it, I was like in my twenties, I was like, this doesn't mean anything to me. And now I'm like, oh my goodness, it just so does. And one of the scenes was they went away together and they had like this great sex and they're like laughing and joking and they're in the car and they look at each other like, wow, like, man, do I love you. And then the minute the car rolls into the house, the kids bitching and they're like, like, ah, you know, like they're having like this argument. And I remember last year, my husband and I went away for two days and the kids are with my parents in Australia And like, I could not love him more. I was like, I would lick the bottom of his feet by the time we got back. We, it was just the most beautiful. And I was like, wow, I really do love you. Like this is, this is meant to be like, we are actually best friends. Like this is what we're meant to do. And within five minutes of getting back with the kids, we were fighting. And it's just, I find that no one talks about Like they talk about, oh, it's so beautiful to have kids. And it is, it's great. It's been the best thing and the hardest thing that's ever happened to me. But no one talks about the dynamic of your relationship and how much it changes because you don't have the capacity for each other like you used to. Mm -hmm. And all the hugs and the kisses and the flowers that I want because my love language is touch and all those, like he doesn't have it. Like he's he's exhausted. He's working Mm -hmm. and he's got kids, you know? And no one talks about how it changes that dynamic in the relationship. So true. But it is really powerful when you get those moments. And I don't know about you guys, but like I used I used to babysit a lot, okay? And I babysat for this family at one point when I was like 18 years old. Um, and I used to come every single week, the same time her and her husband went and did a date night. And so when we had kids, I was like, this is one thing I know, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna rally for it. We must do a date night. And we've done it. We've done it every Friday. I mean, obviously there's been like times, and especially during COVID, whatever, like there are times we have it and we've noticed a difference like in our relationship, Mm -hmm. but it's helped so much because that feeling you felt when you went to out of town with your husband, you can like actually harness it in those small doses on a weekly Mm -hmm. basis. And it can like trickle down to like maybe a day or two after, and it's not so bad. And then you realize (laughs) as soon as it gets really hot and heated and annoying, you're like, wait, we have a Friday coming up. And even though I don't even want to sit across the table from you, like, give me a drink. Let's like, you know, break the ice again and get back to square one. And yes, like sex and all that stuff, like definitely for me, at least plays a huge role. Like Mm -hmm. I, I think that that's like the ticket to a lot of things, but like a lot of people would argue that it's communication and it's just wild how much goes into it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the sex and intimacy, especially when you're connected with your partner like that, it makes them human to you again. Like I know, like when we go through the day and like all the things that happen and you know, everything you almost like, it turns into like a roommate and it's like nobody you even Mm -hmm. want to share those moments with. But like when you are having sex with that person and you have that connection, I all of a sudden like see his feelings more. And I see like, you know, it makes me empathetic to him. Like, whereas before, if there's that disconnect, it's like, oh, well, fuck him. You know, it's, it's totally helpful. You're right. They say, if you have sex once a week or once every two weeks, that the like the statistics of marriages staying together are is exponentially higher mm-hmm. um and it doesn't have to be you know like back in my 20s it was like the whole thing you know it was like the music and the road mm-hmm. like the bathtub and the whole thing now it it, it, it isn't because we don't have the time but there's like a different you know i used to feel so ashamed to say like i'm a highly sexual person not someone who needs sex every day, but I, but I need sex to feel, maybe it's again, that I didn't ever felt grounded. So I, I need it to feel stable and grounded. And sometimes when I'm really anxious, which is what people, the opposite, they don't want sex. I do want it because it's the only thing that makes me 
like I have to pay attention, right? Like I can't be like, oh my gosh, I'm thinking about something else because I'm not going to have a good time. Um, so I think sex is something that needs to be worked on in the relationship just as much as communication and just as much as all the other things, because I think it does link couples together. And, and I have friends who haven't had sex for like a year or two years. And that to me is there's like warning signs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. It also makes you think maybe like whoever that partner is might be doing something else, you know, somewhere else. I mean, your mind kind of goes there, right? Like if you're, yeah. if they're going through like a year or two of not having sex, you know, I would just think my husband's like at night falling asleep, eating ice cream, like watching the baseball <laughs> scores. I think that's who he's cheating on me with. Ben and Jerry. Yeah, Ben and Jerry. Ben and Jerry, it's a threesome. It's a threesome. It's a threesome. Roxy and I were talking today about rejection and mm. rejection in our life when it comes to our careers, mm. um, less so in our relationships, but more so, you know, in what we do. I've had a lot of it in my career and I'm sure you have too. I'm sure we all have. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you guys handle rejection and does it feel the same as it did when we were younger? Um, yeah, I didn't handle it well as a kid. I started acting young too. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I was just, I didn't have the tools. I was not mature enough to really handle things well. Like I had a lot of rough goes when I would get really close to something that I worked really hard to get. I'm sure you understand. It's like you're testing for a show that like you've gone through the gamut, right? For, and like you're down to the wire and things are, stakes are high and you're just excited. You're already trying on your new life. You're like, this is what I'm meant to do. Like you're already in it, right? And it happened to me so many times before I got my first series, but every single time it was like the first time, like I never really learned from it. Um, and yeah, I I don't really have even a lot to like say beyond that. Just that, like, it really took me down some dark paths. Like I thought Mm -hmm. that like, um, my vow, I valued what I do so much and who I was in my work that like outside of that, I didn't have a strong enough identity for years. Like Mm -hmm. imagine like, I don't know if you were pulled out of school at some point, but like, I didn't have that network. I didn't have like peer support. Um, I didn't feel like I related to anyone. So like my level of rejection, like no one else I felt like understood. And um, yeah, I had to find some real self-worth outside of my work. I still do. I still do. Yeah, I think it's interesting, especially for you guys, because you both became actors, you know, in your teens. It's such a like pivotal time, you know, that you're really still, you're still a child. I mean, you're still growing and learning about yourself and learning about the world. And if that sort of like peer group, especially like in school is sort of taken away, that's like a big part of getting to know who you are, you know? So I could totally see how that, how that, you know, changes things. I think for me, um, I started the entertainment business, like in my mid twenties. So I was a little bit older, not that the rejection was any easier. It wasn't, you know, because, and there's plenty of it, you know? Um, you know, being like a red carpet host, it was a little bit different, but it's still, you know, it's still like based on your looks and like, you know, what you're bringing to the table and, and all these things. And I think for me, you know, I took it really personally, like when the rejection, like first started happening and that's a normal part of the business and it still hurts, you know, to this day, like it still hurts. I mean, I think now that I'm older, I'm probably a little better equipped, you know, with dealing with it, especially, you know, being a mom and like being married and sort of being more of an entrepreneur now, whereas before it was more like relying on, you know, other people to kind of be the gatekeepers. And, you know, I got so sick of it. I just started my own website because I was like, you know what, I'm not going to wait for anyone else to like hire me and, and do the things that I want to do. I'm going to start red carpet Roxy and, and do my own thing. And, you know, there's still, there's always rejection, but I think the older I got, the less personal I, I took it, but there are still moments when it really fucking hurts, you know? How about you, Tam? Yeah. I like you, like we were talking about being child actors. I, I mean, I was on set 
so I got my first job when I was 15. And so 16, 17, 18, I was on set. And I finished my high school on set. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't rejected. Like the first, that was my first audition. Mm-hmm. So I didn't understand rejection. Well, I've been rejected in my life because I think, I mean, we've talked about this. I was 200 pounds and um, rejected a lot from my peers and bullied and then lost the weight, got on TV. But in my professional life, it was the first audition that I'd ever done. And then when that show ended, I was 20. So I started at like 15, 16, and I ended at 20. And then so started my life of like, like hating myself because, you know, I, th- I think it's also when you're in the business, like the acting business, the words that people say to you and how you get rejected, I think is the big reason why you sometimes don't get over it or you don't let yourself get over it. Because if someone said to you, hey, you didn't get the part, you got down to the last two because they wanted someone who's taller and because it just matched up with the lead guy and they want to use you for something else because they, you know, whatever, however they land that plane. Mm-hmm. but it's not, it's kind of, there's a lot of radio silence. And then depending on who your representatives are, and I've had a lot of different ones, they can say things like, I've heard things like, you're not an ingenue anymore. Like you're now a mom. So no one's really going to find you sexy. Um, so many horrible things when you're so impressionable and at such a young age that how do you not take that with you? Like, how do you not think, oh, well, I'm done. Like that, that was told to me at 28 years old. At 28, mm-hmm. I remember sitting in the bathtub thinking, well, my acting career is over because I'm no longer an ingenue by one of the top agents in America, huge agency. They said that. So how do you go, okay, I can't wait for my next audition. <laughs> like you don't, you know? And like those words stay with you. But as I get older, I give less fucks and Mm -hmm. I, I'm sick of letting other people's opinions and those people who don't put themselves out there in the ring and in the firing line Mm -hmm. to get to dictate what I get to do for the rest of my life. I know there's gatekeepers, but create it yourself, Mm -hmm. like make it yourself. If you know enough people, if you're talented enough, if you've got talented people around you, no one knows anything like you'll figure out a way and that's just not in our business that could be in anyone's business mm-hmm. and it's just like I will no longer let other people's words provide me my self-worth like I'm done and it took what 20 years <laughs> yeah no it's true it's it's uh it is one of the great lessons in life is like just don't wait for other people to allow you to do something like Richard Branson at 15 years old or however old he was when he started Virgin had, uh, had no experience in, you know, doing what he was doing. He didn't know how to start, you know, a, a, an aviation company and a record company and all the thing, great things he's done. He just did it. And he didn't give a, well, I mean, he probably gave some fucks, but you know, it didn't stop him from doing what he wanted to do. So that is a big lesson, I think, to put yourselves out there. But also I'm like so fascinated too. I know I was just talking about this, but like your guys' business as like child actors, because I think now people are talking about experiences that they've had on set, like so much more, you know, both on set and off set, you know, with people that you're working with. And I wanted to know, like, from you guys, like if you had those sort of experiences, like those traumas and things that you will carry. I'll chime in. Um, you know, I started acting when I was like five and, um, I was in and out of school a lot. And so it was a lot more normal for me. Um, and I think when I think about the industry and when I got old enough to realize that this was a, this was a business, um, I realized how friggin' unique it was and how like you could not explain to anyone who wasn't in it how it operated none of it felt like 
it was like relatable to anything. Like you're being judged, you're being, you know, taken care of, you're being coddled, you're being lied to, you're being like put on a pedestal. Like you're being, you're, you're literally getting told so many different things in order to perform. Right. And then on top of that, there's all these other metrics that like are going on. Like you're kind of responsible or you feel the pressure of like the success of a show, the success of like uh, chemistry, success of like a laugh. Like for me, I came from comedy. So it's like, you know, you really carry a lot of, of weight, right? Um, and then the intricacies between like the characters that really make the, the beauty of the industry, right? Like you have to feed a lot of egos. You have to put up with a lot of different dynamics. I mean, I had worked with, you know, all kinds of people in front of this, camera and back of the camera like everyone was very unique you know you work with a lot of different like gypsy mentality people people that are you know having onset relationships and that's just normal they could have a wife at home and someone who's pregnant at home and you're just like this is fucking wild but like <laughs> this is normal here like you're like literally best friends with everyone on set for like a month at a time and then don't talk to them forever and ever and ever mm -hmm. or like you're working with a method actor who wants you to punch them before you call action like it's fucking wild. And like, I could not turn to anyone in my life because I didn't come from like any acting background in my family and be like, this is the shit that's going on. I mean, I literally had to, at one point, going back to your question, Roxy, the one that's memorable, nothing that I feel like I have a ton of trauma around, but like more so just, this is so weird. I was doing this horror movie and um, it literally became a horror in general and the director. So what I didn't realize in terms of like the business side of things until later in life was that like anyone with just a lot of money could produce a movie. So like if someone just had millions upon millions and was like, hey, I have this idea, I bought this script, like I'm gonna get this crew and we're gonna do this movie. And here's a casting director, cast my movie. Here I am now the actor of this movie of this person who really didn't have a ton of experience and had the biggest ego of all time. But like I had once um, been on this film and one thing led to another and I just remember being mic'd and being like this guy went off the rails and lose, lost his mind um, and everything was recorded and like threatened lives um, mm -hmm. and I was staying at a random motel off this like beaten road in the middle of nowhere like two hours off a highway and I like decided along with some of the other castmates that we had to leave that night and I go back to my motel and the lock on my door had been broken off and there was a car with like its headlights on facing my door. And I just was like, it's really now or never. Like, I don't know what's about to happen, but I have got to go. And I just literally got in my car in the middle of the night. I waited until like, I felt like everything was like quiet and shut down and I just left. And I don't know what would have transpired and I'm glad mm -hmm. I didn't figure it out. But like, these are the stories that like, I don't even really talk about, but I'm just looking back and I'm like that amongst others, you are literally working with like people mm. who just have power. And when people have power, they're just allowed to get away with so much. And um, yeah, I think like being a mom and taking a break, I've now been a, off TV now for three years, about of work for three years. And it's been a really reflective three years. Like, I don't know. I think I have a lot of boundaries now and I would approach it very differently. Yeah, the things, it's funny because I do TikToks and I've never said really anything, never named anyone, but there are very famous people that I've been in scenes with, worked with, that if people knew the shit that they pulled, would not be allowed to have these huge social accounts and be able to continue making shows or movies or whatever, because we wouldn't put up with that behavior, but no one talks because I mean, you can't talk, you'd be blacklisted. Right. But I just find it, like you said, like, I find it fascinating that I get asked stories about different shows that I've been on and you just, you smile and you say it was all great because what else do you say, right? And just, again, the things that I saw that were just completely unacceptable, no one will ever know. Like, we'll take it to our graves. Yeah, I've got so many on the tip of my tongue. It's Oh my God, I'm like, oh. Or as soon as we go offline here, I'll be like, what the hell, yeah. tell me. <laughs> oh oh man. It's so traumatic though, because it's like, again, those are like things that you guys are going to take with you 
you know, forever. Like you're always going to have that in your mind. And I think also for me, I mean, I had a different, you know, story and that I wasn't an actor, but I, you know, even in business before I started the entertainment business, there were like weird things that happened. Like I had a client that was like, let's go finish the deal upstairs in my hotel room and just really inappropriate, wildly inappropriate things. But at that time, you know, it was kind of before all these um, Harvey Weinstein things and all, you know, everyone was talking about these things so openly, you know, it's one of those things where basically my boss was like, well, just keep it to yourself, you know, like, don't tell anyone about it. Like, you know, protect the company, like all these things and even protect this client because, you know, they make a lot of money off these people and it's so messed up in so many ways. And, you know, so many women have had to deal with it. And also the sexualization of ourselves in our businesses is a thing. And especially in the entertainment business, I mean, you know, being like a young girl, I'm sure there were things like that, you know, you had to do that you felt really uncomfortable with. And it's funny because I Mm -hmm. never, when the Me Too movement came out, you know, I have a Harvey Weinstein story, but it's not too bad, but it's still something. And I just thought like all these things so when the, when the Me Too movement came out, I was like, well, thank goodness I came out unscathed, right? Like I came out unscathed. I was 100%. not raped. Um, I was not sexually molested. Thank God. And then like, as the weeks progressed, I was like, but like, there was that one time that I was getting mic'd and the guy just put his hand on my butt, like, you know, and there was that one time I was doing a scene with a guy and he like tried to touch my vagina. And then there was that one time when I was getting my hair done and the makeup artist was a guy and he opened up his screensaver and it was a picture of his, you know, penis on the screen. And then there was that one time that like the driver said, well, what I could do to you if <laughs> when I was 17, like, and then I was like, wait a second. So I wasn't sexually molested, but there's I was, it could have, there's no reason why it couldn't have happened because I just normalized all these things that were, that were, that weren't okay Mm -hmm. to being normal. Right. I was like, well, of course he would say that to a 17 year old, like what I would do to you. Cause I was 17 and I was, you know, I was wearing a, a leather skirt. So it's like my fault or, you know, of course he showed me that when I was sitting, getting my hair done because he's just funny, you know, and, and just the things that you again, normalize because, you don't want to get in trouble. And we're also were or are so used to it as women. Mm -hmm. Like I was used to that happening to me. Right. And you're expected to just brush it off. Like you just roll with it and like deal with it. And people expect you to, to go on. Is that how you guys feel? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say it was definitely more normalized and I'm sure it, like you said, Roxy, it happened in your industry. It could probably happens in corporate all the time. Like, I'm sure there's all kinds of stuff going on. You know, I don't know. I go back and forth. Cause I, I think because I too feel the same way where I got out unscathed for the most part, like, I don't feel like I have, you know, what some people have um, to deal with. I still might be brainwashed a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, I do believe that I am brainwashed because there's so much about the industry when I reflect back on it that like is so powerful and so instrumental and like the experiences and like all of the good that came with it, like in so many ways outweigh kind of those like crazy, weird, wild, stupid, unacceptable behavior. And I'm just like, oh, well, it's just the nature of like the highs that come with it. Cause there are so many highs, like there are so many industries I have zero interest in because I'm like, nah, like not when you've like literally traveled the world and like felt the adrenaline I felt and like, like the performances and the things that I've been able to like, that to me is like incredibly, and I'll never take it for granted. Yeah. It's fucking twisted that like with that come like, but in a lot of ways, like I have to be pretty blatant here. Like the artistry behind this, like, it's like, you can only imagine what like, I don't know, freaking Picasso was like, right? Like if you're looking at people and they're putting themselves out there and they have a certain like skill or art or whatever, like they're not gonna be an average Joe or a normal person all the time. And that's why I think there's so much acceptance around like supporting these people's ego or process or whatever else. Like they're just, it's like, it's just is. Like in what world, even as a kid, you know? And and it wasn't until my fiance said something when we were on set one day, 
he was just like, she could get her own water, you know? And I was just like, you're right. Like I have literally like, you don't want to put, here's a straw. Here's a bit. Like, it's just, it's what it's different. I don't know. It's like, okay, I think I, I just write sex. it off as it's different. I had a moment like that when I was in Germany two years ago before the pandemic. And I called my husband crying from Germany and it was 3am here, but it was whatever, 10, 10 a.m. there because I couldn't figure out how to unlock my suitcase. And I had this like huge epiphany. I'm a mother. I got my stomach cut open twice. Like I breastfed, like I've done all these things in my life and I can't open a fucking suitcase because I'd been trained that I couldn't, it's not that they said that I couldn't do it, but they just did it. So I didn't know how to do the most simplest things for the longest time. Like I had a business manager for so many years until I was like, I don't even know how to pay a bill. So I'm going to cancel the business manager so I can learn. And then if I ever need it again, I'll go back. But I didn't even know like anything, like people go, I'm like taxes. I don't know. I've never filed taxes. They file taxes. Like, I don't even know when people go April, I'm like April's tax season. I have no clue for over a decade. Like I didn't know interest rate. I didn't know anything. I didn't even know credit scores. I just found out my credit score two years ago. And it was just because it wasn't my fault, but I was trained to go on set and know my lines. And then the whole world kept working around me to make me okay to function. And then I had kids and I was like, wait, I need to know how to pay the school fees. Like I need to know this stuff, you know? And it is, it's a very, it's a wild business. And, and like you said, like I would never have lived in Cambodia, sorry, in, in Bangkok for six months if it wasn't for that. So you got to take the good with the bad, right? Mm-hmm. I will say though, also to that point, like what a, what a, I don't know what you would call it, like a ramped up educational period yeah. because, you know, and I, I remember someone saying this is actually, um, Kaylee Cuoco said this to me once because I was really devastated at the time that I like wasn't able to go to school dances and I didn't get to graduate. Like I didn't get a lot of those experiences. And she said like very, very point. And she was like, yeah, some people get to go to a school dance. You get to walk a red carpet. And I was just like, at the point of that, like I was 14 years old. I thought that was cool. Now, like I don't walk around. Like I don't, that's not cool to me. Like it's not the same thing. But like, it is a trade-off and it's a different life experience. And I I learned on the fast track. I grew up with adults. Like I actually had a different experience than you did in a sense that I think it actually helped develop a lot about me that like, I would have never had the skills prior. Like I learned way too much about money, way too much. And I gave it so much importance. I was also very young when I started acting. So like when I wasn't auditioning or if I didn't book a commercial, I would figure out something else to sell. Like I was wildly fascinated with making money in business. Um, And so that for me, like I wanted to learn everyone's job. I wanted to learn directing. I wanted to learn lighting. I wanted to learn how to, like, I wanted to learn everybody's job. And in a way, like, yeah, it robbed me of maybe my childhood and like just being present and like, you know, being surrounded around like more normal things. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like nature versus nurture. Like, who would I be? And I don't know if I'd want to, you know, I don't know. I could maybe I have more acceptance around just the chaos of it all. It's interesting because you guys grow up when you're in front of the camera that young, you grow up really fast, you know, and you see a lot of the world. Would you let your kids know if they showed interest and wanted to kind of go into that? Like, would you let them do it? You know, and I know for us, like, you living in LA, you know, it's all around us. Like this entertainment world is everywhere. So it's like, you know, our kids are, you know, unknowingly even like getting exposed to things. So, you know, would you let your kids jump into this if they wanted? So I'll be honest, like I, you know, my kids are on social media with me through my account. Mm-hmm. Um, there are days when I feel good about it. And there are days when I want to reel it in again and just keep themselves mm-hmm. private. Mm-hmm. But, um, for right now, like, I think that's probably the only place that I would allow them, you know, having some sort of like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, identity or performance or being known right now. I feel a little bit more in control in that way, but it's weird because before having kids, I would have said absolutely not. Mm -hmm. And now that I have them and I have like extremely outgoing kids, 
like extremely outgoing kids who like thrive on a joke. Like they love to hear a joke land. Like they're just ridiculous. I'm like, shit. If somebody said to me as a kid, you couldn't do this, mm. I would have found a way to do it. Mm. And so now I'm like, okay, I don't, I'm not there. They're young. But like, if at some point, you know, my son's like, I want to be on TV with you, like, or like you or whatever, I might have to entertain it and just see what happens because I don't know. I don't really want to get in the way. It did, it did a lot for me in a lot of ways. Like it did more good for sure. Mm-hmm. What about you, Tim? Um, my daughter wants a YouTube channel more than she wants anything <laughs> in the whole world. Um, so when she, so I've started to distance having them on my social because I don't know. And my kids are older once almost four and eight because I don't know how they're going to feel. It's the same thing as I feel about, and I know people have different, like obviously there's cultural reasons for this when we get ears pierced. Mm -hmm. I worry that like, I assume that maybe my eight-year-old will love having her ears pierced when she's 18, but what if she doesn't? What if she doesn't? And I made that decision for her. And I feel like I feel that way about social media is that what if she turns 18 and goes like, I didn't want my potty training to be on here. And I didn't want when I got a rash for you to talk about it. Like I'm a private person. Like, how dare you? That is in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. That being said, when we do ads, they have accounts, they have Coogan accounts and money goes into their accounts and they can't touch till they're 18. So if they're in ads, I feel like they're getting a benefit from, from it financially. So that makes me feel good. But the other stuff is hard. Like I like like you, I go back and forth about it. The eight-year-old, I'm doing less and less, even though she wants it. Um, and the baby, I feel like is still a baby, but I'm trying to trying to move it away from that, which is hard because when your brand is is in that world and in that mommy world, it's hard to know what to do. Um, regarding being on professional, I at 18, they can choose whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Like they can, until then, they can go on any stage. They can, they can do any plays, any, any musicals, any, whatever they want to do, they can. They can maybe even do some fun YouTube stuff. I don't know. We'll discuss that as we get to it. But going on set, I'm going to wait until they're 18. Only because... I think it kind of, it was so great for me in so many ways, but I think it, that I had some trauma that I wasn't able to process until like 20 years later. And I don't know if I want that for them. <laughs> yeah. I get a little, you know, paranoid too, just with the um, social media is like, who else is looking at the social media? Right. You know, it's like, right. Cause the, who knows? I mean, you hear about these fake accounts on like people posing as other people. And I just, even with like the Roblox game that she plays, I'm constantly like looking at her friend list being like, okay, you have four friends and I know who they <laughs> are. You know? like, and they're me like, and my husband. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm like, okay, I'm good. That's good. Yeah. But, but I mean, yeah, too. I mean, who knows? Like right now I feel like the same way as far as like, you know, keeping her sort of out of like any sort of spotlight. I mean, she's never come to me and said that she, and she's eight mm. and she's never come to me and said, you know, I want to act or do anything like that. I mean, who knows, maybe as time goes, that'll change. But for right now, um, you know, she hasn't expressed an interest in it. And like, so for me, I feel, I don't know, like, but if she came to me and said, I want to do it, I guess I would have to maybe reevaluate a little bit. I mean, my protective instincts are such that I'm like, no, no way. You know, like you have to wait till you're 18. I mean, she's even asking me to wear a crop top right now. And I'm like, I know. Talk about that later. (laughs) I'm like, no. Where do babies come from? I'm like, yeah. uh, You're like, you can use my gardening analogy, (laughs) Tamman. Daddy planted a seed in my tummy, and ten months later, there you are. The problem is, someone's gonna tell them, and then it's not gonna be us, and then we're gonna have to unravel all the damage that has been done. (laughs) When is that though? Like, I'm like, is it too early to talk to them now at eight, or is it like, I'm trying to remember to when I. I'm trying to remember when I found out that. I feel like it's around eight. It's around eight, right? Eight, nine. I feel like it is. And if anything, I want to say it's probably earlier these days now that so much access is available. I don't know. I know. Which is so crazy, right? Like, but, but you're right. I would want, I would want them to hear from me, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
be like her to be the one that I, like we tell her and she's like the first of her class and then she like tells all oh right <laughs> and then all the parents are like you just told my daughter what sex is I'm like I don't know I thought I was supposed to but better uh, coming secondhand yeah. from you than I mean, I thought out from somebody, but I thought out from somebody's older brother who told, I mean, who knows how he told it, you know, it's like, that's the thing, right? You're getting it's it. It's really hard to like process. Like when I said to my husband, when you explain sex, it is a very odd concept. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this goes into this and produces this is still wild to me. Like even when my babies were coming out of my stomach, I was like, what? wizardry like what the hell is going on (laughs) but there's a biological explanation and there's also an emotional explanation right because there is emotions most of the time tied up into sex so it's like when they're that young like how do you explain sort of both you say don't do it it's bad (laughs) did your parents explain to you guys no No. mine didn't no Mm -mm. we figured it out school and they told me like what not to do all the diseases I was going to get and how I was going to get pregnant. The fear factor. Oh yeah. There's nothing else. There was no like, this can also give you an orgasm and this is good. It was nothing about that. It was like bad, 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 wrong, wrong, wrong. And the problem with that is because I went to a very strict all girls school is like people were sleeping around Mm -hmm. really early because they just buck, they wanted to buck the system. Right. They were just like, just wanted to break free. Mm -hmm. So Anyway, Br- talking about breaking free of this podcast. Thank you. <laughs> You're like, how am I going to get out of this conversation? I know. She's like, oh no. No, I love it. Thank this is great. So I feel like I'm paying. Yeah, I'm going to follow. We need to follow each other on yes. Instagram yes. so that we can talk about yes. all our childhood trauma. <laughs> and Daniela, Daniela, before you go, tell everybody about the app that you launched. Oh, really thank cool. you for asking. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's called Daniela's Digest. So I've been vegan for 23 years. And over the course of that period of time, I've always wanted to share more about like how I'm doing it and why. And I never really was organized or really focused enough to figure that out. And um, it wasn't until recently, I think again, coming of age, becoming a mom, wanting to save the world and offer good options to people. I created this app that has like this meal plan in there, which like I use meal plan loosely. I'm not, I'm not much of like a planner, but really what it's supposed to do is just add a ton of value and support to someone's life. So like, if you're interested in eating plant-based and you don't know where to start, like you can download my app and you can literally get access to thousands of recipes. You can shop all of the ingredients on that recipe straight to your door through my app. There's video tutorials on how to do it. Um, There's articles that support just like what I do on the side, like in my lifestyle with household product options and, you know, everything that goes into living a more ethical, conscious lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And actually, I think more and more what I'm leaning on now is just being able to advocate for ourselves and not rely so much on like these systematic things that have been in place for us. Like, Mm -hmm. I think for so long, um, it was apparent to me, but I didn't know how to articulate it. I feel as though, especially as like women and the matriarchs of our family, like we want to feel support. We want to know how to nurture and care. But a lot of the times we will rely on so many other things that, you know, are proven to be right. Like you're supposed to give your baby milk because that's what they say. You're supposed to give your kid Tylenol when they need it. Like, because that's what they say. But like, nobody's talking about these alternative options that could essentially be like what we're supposed to be doing, but like, there isn't much money in it for everyone. And like, I don't lead with that narrative, but like, ultimately I just say, I want everyone to be curious and be an advocate for themselves and for their health and hear my insights. (laughs) This is what I have to share. I honestly feel like my mental health, I fix my mental health through natural supplements. Like I take L-theanine, magnesium, ashwagandha, and it helped me so I understand people need to be on medication certain people do, but for me, that didn't work. And I went this route and I'd say we're primarily vegan. Our kids are, uh, my youngest only asked for meat. So we give it to her, but my eldest has been a vegetarian since day one, her choice. My husband's been a vegetarian his whole life. Wow. And I eat eggs. So yeah, I think there's so much power in plant-based foods and, and alternative medicine, you know? Yes. 
it's a good way to go too, because you, it's going more the prevention route rather than like waiting for something to happen and then having to try to cure something, you know, and then figure out how to cure what you cured yourself with. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. So yeah. we'll, well, we'll definitely thank to check you it out. so much. I'm getting the app right now. Yes. Thank you. Guys, guys download this app. Um, and you can get it on my website. It's just Daniela's digest.com. Amazing. I'm going to do it now. Yes. yes, I love you. Yeah. Thanks, Roxy Soxy. And guys, please remember to rate, subscribe, and comment and go to Women on Top Official Instagram. <gasps> and a Women on Top podcast on Facebook. And I'm Roxy Manning. <laughs> and I am Tavin Sursock. <laughs> Jokes on you. And we are <laughs> Women on Daniela. Ha! I love being on top. (laughs) Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotion promotional offer not available in washington dc Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.